Uh, before we start, we would like to acknowledge that we're recording this podcast on the lands of the Eora and Kulin Nations. Sovereignty was never ceded and this always was and always will be Aboriginal lands. Thank you, Joe. Uh, That's okay. How, how are you today? Um, <laughs> just good. manic laughter. <laughs> I've got cabin fever as usual. It's beautiful and bright and sunny here in um, Melbourne. So that's very nice. We're starting to get some spring flowers. It's lovely. Yeah, which always lifts one's uh, mood. Chloe, yes. how are you? But you can't go outside and smell them. So that's. I can that's for two the... hours a day now, mate. Oh, you've got two hours now. Oh, good Isn't stuff. Isn't that cute? Good stuff. <laughs> Yes, I um I'll also mention about Melbourne still being in lockdown that uh Joe sent me a parcel the other day and on the return address she just wrote Plague Town, which I'm sure didn't slow down the the postage at all. <laughs> yes, how am I? I'm I it's it's been a hell of a day, if I'm if I'm completely honest with you, Joe. I uh got my period yesterday. Oh mine's I... on the way. Yummy, Ooh, yummy, yummy. How have we synced up over Zoom? <laughs> Quite well, amazing. we can't seem to sync up our audio. Yeah. So we... <laughs> Something's got to sync. <laughs> this podcast into the ocean. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> A toilet in the ocean. Yeah, so I got mine yesterday and uh, as I've been getting older, my periods have been getting worse and worse. And I've been discussing with a few of my friends who have endo and they have basically said to me, just, you need to go and get checked because this is getting mm. a little bit out of hand and... All of this sounds very familiar to us. So uh, mm-hmm. I need to go and do that. You know, that feeling of, you know, when you feel like something might be happening diagnosis wise and you're like, oh God, I just, all the testing, all of the blood tests, all of the blah, blah, blah. I got my period yesterday and basically this morning, my poor partner had to just rub my back for an hour while I sobbed in pain because. Oh, that's always a nice bonding experience, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, bless <laughs> his heart. So that said. I would like to let everyone know that they're listening to Joanna Nelson and Chloe Sargent because <laughs> we forgot to say our names. Yeah, those are our names. Uh, welcome. Yeah, actually, I should do some professional stuff, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so we have a Twitter at chronicfullsick and Gmail is just chronicallyfullysick at gmail.com if you'd like to send us love letters, declarations of marriage and checks. Mm -hmm. Do people even have checks anymore? I don't know. Scan a check and send us a PDF. (laughs) Yes, please. And uh, just leave the uh, dollar amount just completely clear. Yeah, just blank. It's fine. Just blank. (laughs) It's fine. We're a very honest, honesty system. Um, And we do have a Facebook group as well called Chronically Fully Sick, which is for, you know, lefty, youngish people with chronic pain and illness. Oh, my dad, the other day when I was speaking to him, I was telling him what the show was about and then not allowed to listen to it anyway. And I said it was for youngish people Mm. with chronic illness. And he said that I wasn't youngish and that I was middle-aged. Oh, my God. (laughs) That was a wrong time to take a sip of 
my my drink that would <laughs> what a sick burn from your dad oh my god oh we oh, did we have said yeah. in previous episodes though that like as time's gone on we just keep raising the age of the group because we're getting on a bit <laughs> But yeah, it's as we said in a previous episode, it's because uh, so many chronic illness and fibromyalgia groups are older people and we find it quite hard to relate to, especially talking about things like dating and sex and Mm -hmm. all of those sorts of things that chronic illness does affect for young people. We need to talk about that rather than ignoring all the minion memes in those groups. So we just decided to, uh, Joe created it and I now admin it and we just made our own space. So Exactly. And I also want to say if you guys can rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on your chosen podcast app, that would be cool. I mean, people that have professional podcasts say that. So I'm Mm. just going to say that. Yeah. Sounds good. I've always wanted to do like the beauty blogger, like, like and subscribe. So I'm really glad that we've got an opportunity to like do and that subscribe now. below. Yeah. <laughs> right down there in the details. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. Welcome back to my channel. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. I can't wait till we become um, beauty influencers. That's going to rule. I really want to just so I get sent free makeup. If anyone out there works for a makeup PR company, can you just send me stuff? I'm actually, I use a lot of makeup stuff for mindfulness. So it is actually, you know, part of uh, chronic illness stuff. And I, I really want free things. Thank you. That'd be really cool. <laughs> now we have discussed off mic in the past how difficult it is to like style your hair do beauty things apply makeup when you've got a painful disorder like we do like fibromyalgia Mm, absolutely um i did see that there were some makeup products made for people with disability with bigger grips on them yeah that's really comfortable handles which i thought was really cool um personally as i get older struggle to put on eye makeup in particular, um, my hands shake and they get really sore. My arm gets sore Mm -hmm. trying to put it on. But also I'm just really bad at it. I've been practicing a lot because I, like I said, use makeup as a mindfulness exercise, like the incidental mindfulness thing that I'm not sure if I've brought that up in this podcast, actually. It's it's basically um, applying elements of mindfulness and just being in the moment and all of that kind of thing while doing everyday activities. So I do it while I cook and I do it while I apply makeup and it's just an easy way because I'm absolutely shit house at meditation I went back to my pain psychologist and was just like nope can't sit still for that long I my brain goes into mm. all these different spaces and I think about the thing I said to someone in 2004 uh so I really can't do it so incidental mindfulness was the was the option and it does actually really help just to be able to sort of zone out a little bit and not concentrate on the pain so much. So yeah, I use makeup to do that. And it's, I, I think practicing so much, like one of the things that I do is I've been practicing doing eyeliner because I'm the same. My hands are really, really yeah. shaky. So, and it's one of those things that the more you do it, the better that you get at managing your shakiness, but mm. you're right. It does, it bloody hurts. So any mm. brushes and stuff that are for people with disabilities, bloody amazing. Mm. I thought that was so cool when I saw it. Um, yeah. We will post a link to the company I'm talking about on Twitter a bit later on because Fibrofog has, me- has, meant- Fibrofog has meant that it has disappeared out of my tiny brain. <laughs> my tiny brain. <laughs> my tiny brain. Wee. Speaking of makeup and looking beautiful. Oh my God, we're really leaning into this beauty influencer thing and I'm, I love it, Stan. <laughs> 
Send us free things. But also <laughs> shut the hell up because you're a model. Oh, mate. <laughs> that means that the makeup does it, does its job then, that I can still get modeling jobs when I'm just about to turn 30. Bloody hell. So, who do I think we're I not, am? Moss. <laughs> oh, dear. No, I'm actually serious when I say that, dear listener, because our Chloe is an actual IRL model. Now, do you want to tell us a bit about that and a bit about how being chronically ill has sort of affected that and sort of how you manage it now? Because I kind of want to talk about how that ties into the phrase that we all love to hear, but you don't look sick. Yeah. So um, I I started modeling when I was about 15 years of age. My first shoot, my mum came with me and was like running around on set trying to put a bra on me because they are had me in a lace a lace top and she did not like that. Yeah, so I was a baby when I started modeling. But yeah, I worked on and off getting regular jobs for just under 10 years. Um and I it basically kind of dropped off when I was about 24 just because I was focusing more on writing. I was working full time. What kind of what kind of stuff were you modeling? Like just uh, clothes or I know you do primarily hair now, right? Yeah. So I started out doing hair modeling um, yeah. and basically asked to do it on the street. And Oh, my God. I think I used to on the train on the 86 tram. Sorry. I think I used to go past a big thing of your face. Yeah. <laughs> there was big things of my face all over Australia at one point. It was wild. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I could see it now. I'd be like, ha, 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 look at that dumb bitch. <laughs> yeah, I know. What a silly, silly bitch. Look at her. There's one of me with massive hair on a like carousel, like riding a carousel horse. That was wild. Um, <laughs> and they photoshopped my lips to be fucking massive. It was just, oh my God. just hire someone with big lips. God damn it. So yeah, I did a lot of uh, hair stuff and then did fashion stuff as well eventually. But yeah, I just lost interest in it and uh, obviously hated the industry because the industry, is it's no secret that it fucking sucks. Got sick of people pinching my hips and telling me to lose a, an inch off and all of that bullshit that comes oh. with it. Um, yeah, and like I'm a skinny bitch. I'm a really skinny bitch. If I someone was- tried to pinch my hips, I think my hips would swallow their finger. <laughs> take that like a yeah yeah, like a mermaid just lure you in with the curves and then (laughs) chomp down (laughs) (laughs) oh man my Um, ass is basically the mariana trench i love that for you (laughs) it's the bermuda triangle people never come back (laughs) mentally (laughs) they shall never recover yeah, dropped off. I was quite happy not to do any more modeling work for qu- quite a few years. But recently I've, yeah, just been asked to do a few shoots. I did one for Schwarzkopf the other week with um, that Romance Was Born styled, which was really cool. Started doing a couple of jobs here and there, mainly for extra money. But it's, it is interesting now. I used to do when I was like a lot younger and my illness hadn't really sort of progressed and all of that or even kicked in yet. And I used to do like 16 hour shoots, like on location, like just drank some water, kept going. In um, heels. Ah! Yeah, in heels, full makeup, in the middle of the fucking bush. Like it is wild when I think back of some of the things that I was able to do. And now when I 
book a shoot, I'm like, can you just make sure that it's a half day? Because I can't do a full eight hours <laughs> of this shit. They do my makeup and I'm like, oh, I've got to take some more Panadol extra. Like I've got to take some caffeine to be able to get through the actual shooting part of it. Because mm. the actual shooting part of it is such a small part of it. It's like, they spend hours doing your hair and makeup. So by the time I've sat down for three hours getting all that done, I'm like, I'm exhausted. So yeah, mm. it's uh, it does put a, a massive uh, sort of limit on what I can do in that space now. It is really interesting when I think people see me post photos of these amazing shoots that I'm doing and, you know, me all made up and edited and everything like that. And then mm. the situation of the next day, I'd be posting a photo of me in bed with a wheat bag around my neck and all of that kind of stuff because I'm not able to Which move. Which you, you literally did. Yeah, I literally <laughs> did. I posted a photo the next day being like, I can't move because I did a shoot. So I guess bed mm, is my home now. <laughs> one of the listeners glimpse, I think, a picture of you doing it. I don't know. I can't recall the conversation, but said something. And then you posted a picture of you with like <laughs> a wheat bag around your neck and I think zit cream on. Yeah, and- it was. Yeah. <laughs> It was great. The next day I was for a four hour shoot, a half day shoot. And I was absolutely wrecked the next day. She's like, oh my God, I can't believe that's your face. And I'm just like, yeah, but just (laughs) do not believe like that is not what I look like. You know, modeling is a facade in general. So when chronic illness is in the mix, it's like, do not believe the hype. Mm. I've just got some cool blue hair out of it, which is dope. So do you feel like you have to justify or tell people more about the chronic illness aspect of your life when you're doing a job. I feel like an imposter when mm. I am working, you know, because I turn into a bit of a workaholic when I have a job. I, I find that I have to go, yes, but I am sick. I am sick. Yeah. To I, myself and to other people a lot of the time. Totally. Because I just soldier through it because I have to. It's easy to feel like that's performative, but at the same time, it is something that because we've had such bad experiences in the past mm. with people not believing us and that sort of thing, it is, I think, one of those things that we just do as a protective measure for ourselves as well. Mm. The imposter syndrome is uh, the worst. You know, you don't feel like it's your disability is disabled enough as well. Yeah. You know? it's, yeah, yeah, it is a really, really hard thing to come to terms with and learn how to speak about and acknowledge and accept for sure. Totally. It's like I don't have imposter imposter syndrome for my career mm. or the way I am with my personality, but I do have it for my illness, which yeah. is really strange. Well, I think that's a, it's a little bit internalised ableism as well, isn't it? Like we, totally. you know, the way that society treats disabled people is so like horrific that we've just grown up in a society that does that. So we have internalized ableism ourselves and it ta- it's a daily thing trying to tackle that, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I don't even, I like personally, uh, I don't identify as a disabled person and I, I don't. Mm. I think, know, which I think different I've, for some people. Yeah. I think I've gotten to the stage where I'm comfortable identifying as disabled because It was especially when I started to get mobility issues from fibro Mm. and I would have Mm -hmm. days where I physically wouldn't be able to walk properly and that sort of thing. And um, I guess maybe there's a problematic level where I only saw myself as disabled once a physical situation came on board. Maybe that's a problematic thing within itself. But for some reason, that was sort of the moment where I went, okay, I think I'm, 
I'm comfortable using that term for myself. And I mean, it's there's no rule book for this kind of thing. There's like, it's, nope. it's completely up to you and your research and the way that you relate to terms and all of that kind of stuff and like learning about your own body and your condition it's you know everyone's different in the way that they do that and the way that they identify and it it can change Mm. it evolves you know like it isn't Mm. something that is a label that we tattoo on our foreheads and that's it it is always a learning experience and I think uh, able-bodied people don't realize how much time it takes up to think and learn and research and do all of this kind of stuff like it takes a huge chunk out of your time and day and year you know (laughs) learning Mm. about what your body is doing because no one can really tell you exactly yeah it's all me on um web md thinking i've got elephantitis or Mm. like whatever (laughs) yeah elephantitis of the uh the what elephantitis of the as yeah um So speaking of, uh, you mentioned mobility aids earlier. Mm, How good are my segues? I'm really impressed. I really did. I really honestly thought that I was going to be the segue queen on this podcast. And it turns out that you are. But anyway, speaking of mobility aids. Yes. um, Now, I know that you have some experience with this, but uh, I did post earlier in the week that it, it is my decade anniversary of tearing that old leg in half yes Um, and you posted some really cute photos of you giving the thumbs up from an ambulance yeah no 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 my friend that was a a helicopter helicopter. oh god yeah yeah i can't believe that i did it is that how you did it riding a horse yeah yeah and the horse bolted uh and i I came off it. I just couldn't, I could not make it stop. They drilled the marrow out of my bone and put a steel rod in there and a couple of pins and I had to learn how to walk again and that was really fun. Did you have to use mobility aids while you were learning to walk? Yes, ma'am, because we had a non-union fracture, which means it doesn't heal. Oh, okay. Um, I've never heard that term before. Yeah, I changed my diet and did a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they wanted to graft bone out of my arm Yeah, in there as well. I'm like, you're not slicing me up. I just flat out told the surgeons no. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So, but dur- <laughs> during this period and for about six months after I had a cane. Yes. I've seen and- the photos of that cane. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was my granddad's actually. Unfortunately for me, we were the same height. Oh. It was the same height <laughs> as me. It was a walnut cane with a brass eagle's head on it, which was yeah. pretty cool. It was dope. Uh, and it I, was really cool. Really just one of the most beautiful canes I've ever seen. It was nice having him with me as well in a way. Oh, yeah, that's really lovely. And then I had one that was really uncomfortable in my hand, which I think was a lion's head, but it had a vial in it for like mm. booze or whatever, which is Love pretty that. cool. That would be if but my I, if my grand or granddad gave me a cane, that would be that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mine are from, you know, Roma and Kunnamulla and all, all these kind of areas. Love it. So, you know, Love it. Probably would have been full of Bundaberg rum. <laughs> it's just but, from um... the bottom to the top of the cane. Like a really skinny yard yeah. glass. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, so that was interesting having that, and I really quite enjoyed having it. I do hear from a lot of young people that it's the source of some angst, and I do understand that. Um, it's always using a mobility to... aid. You mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's always really hard to admit that you need you need that. But for me, I really kind of enjoyed it because it allowed me to sort of 
well, get around easier, but have a piece of flair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Just to add to your people... eccentric, <laughs> eccentric behavior. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was yeah. just, you know, straight up walking around like a pimp or something. Yeah. But it got a lot of weird stares from people because I think they thought that I didn't need it. Yeah, um, that you were and too, I was too young. young to have it. Totally. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's I've definitely had that too. I I got my first mobility aid earlier this year. Um, mm. I just got a cheap one because I wasn't 100% sure whether it would be helpful to me or not. But yeah. it has it has been quite helpful, so I probably will get a better one soon. We only recently got a car, so I would regularly walk to the local shops and that kind of thing. And on days when mm. my pain was really bad, using the like a walking stick would be really really helpful, but it was definitely one of those things where walking around when you're in your 20s with a walking stick people do do a double take stare you up and down you can visibly see on their faces that they're confused uh yeah it's it is quite bizarre because it is one of those things i think that people sort of people assume that they know what disability looks like and Mm. who a disabled person is and when it doesn't quite fit that exact mold that vision that they have in their head people immediately go, well, but you don't look sick or you don't look disabled. Mm. Yeah, I find it quite strange, but I suppose, again, it is just internalised ableism and just, you know, ableism in general that people think that they know things that they don't know. Uh, we do love Selma Blair for yeah bringing her cane out at the Vanity Fair party. That was a big moment for me when I saw that. I actually wrote a story about it because it, it was definitely a really big moment for me as well because it was actually, that was actually something that spurred me to get my mobility aid and to kind of ignore the looks and ignore all of that kind of stuff and just give it a go to see if it helped me. Mm. Um, mm. And I wrote a story about it and that story went absolutely, it popped off because people yeah I remember so many people that use mobility aids aren't elderly people they're not what these people see in their heads as a disabled person so it's they're so common for people to use and it really sort of like Selma Blair coming out and doing that and just after her MS diagnosis was such a like a moment of like and she looks so powerful. A literal queen with a scepter. I almost want to print out the photo of her and like hang it up in my house somewhere. Like I just, I love it so much. And Hey, that would be a bit weird, but I support <laughs> I your choices. <laughs> Thank you so much. Are you going to have a flower garland around it and like candles burning? Mm. Or... I'm just going to have a shrine, <laughs> a shrine for Selma, my disabled queen. If you haven't seen this picture and you've got some angst about mobility aids, I would definitely recommend that you look it up. Mm -hmm. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about before we get on to our guest today, Mm. our very first guest, is this week's edition of Quack Watch. What have you got for me this week? I I did a quick search of Pete Evans and I couldn't see anything out of the ordinary that he'd done, but that doesn't matter. No, no, no. It's not it's not Pete this week. Interesting. Um, I've just been looking up some cures for our fibromyalgia. <clears throat> Love it. Hit me. Uh okay. So this one is called, I think it's pronounced Kylo. K-A-I-L-O. Have you heard of that? No. Unless you're talking about okay. Kylo Ren. I don't know. No. Oh, he can give me pain relief anytime. Oh, couldn't he just take your shirt off, Adam? Oh, those high pants. 
<laughs> yeah, the highlight of the uh, Star Wars movies for me. <laughs> we love a bad boy. We do. <laughs> um, okay, so the manufacturer touts the Kylo patch as the world's first nanotech bio antenna. Now I'm just going to stop there. What, what how do you think about those? this? <laughs> oh my God, what did any of those words mean? <laughs> Oh the world. God. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh, well, they've just killed me because they made me choke. They claim that the device is a substrate that holds billions of nanocapacitors, which stabilizes electrical signals in the body, reducing pain. What? So to me, yeah, I know. <laughs> what was that first word? Did you say substack? Substrate. Substrate. Oh, that makes even less sense. Oh my god, I'm so like not smart. But um <laughs> <laughs> I love that we're like biotech. What that? <laughs> Who dares? I think it just I think that just means receptacle or something. Okay. I don't know. Right. In context. Um, unfortunately, this is as much information that is available on the page. Oh my god. So they basically just put buzzword after buzzword and was like pain relief slash cure and then hopes it that is, people would oh no no no, no wait oh, <laughs> it no. is meant to give you relief through the nano capacitors that work with the body's pain signals that way the feeling of pain would last for a much shorter time i'm um, sorry that's so, the capacitor thing is what they used in back to the future to yeah i was about <laughs> to car. say that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so far when reading it and we we know from our mate pete evans peter yeah. Peter. Peter. We talk about him in every every fucking podcast. That's what his mum refers to him when he does something bad Peter. again. Peter. Oh, Peter. <laughs> Did you make another biocharger? I know. Um, Did now, you get fined again? <laughs> Sorry. Continue. We Now, we know from him that anything that has the word bio in it is usually, that's to me Horse is crap. usually horse crap yeah it's usually a stand-in for science mm -hmm. that word <laughs> it's a <bu> it's <laughs> a buzzword science. for people that they think will think it's a scientific thing but it actually isn't a scientific thing correct that makes sense yeah um so it's nothing more than a transparent plastic square resembling a band-aid it has a pattern on it that looks like a circuit board which is where the nano capacitors are on the underside of this patch is an adhesive allowing it to stick to your skin. When the stickiness has worn off, you can replace the adhesives. Um, I'm sorry. So literally <laughs> this is a Band-Aid. Yeah, it is a, a Band-Aid band 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 <laughs> solution for fibromyalgia. Correct. That is the most, like, Alanis Morissette ironic <laughs> is, like, playing in my head. I don't. Hang I, on, I'll just stick it in. Hang on, I'll just stick it in here. <laughs> I'm going to need one for my entire body. I'm going to need a suit made out of these. No, 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 you can't. You can't just stick it above the painful area. Instead, you have to move the patch from the center of pain towards your head until you find the sweet spot to place the patch. According to the manufacturer, when you feel any tingling sensation or warmth, that's the right spot. Mm. The people who made this need to go to jail. Jail. Yep. Jail for Kylo. <laughs> Not for Kylo Ren. No, Kylo. Kylo Ren can stay because comparatively he is like a pure, a pure angel compared to these yes. like <laughs> snake oil fuckheads. Oh, my God. Uh, individual patches cost $119. I bet they do. Um, I'm just trying to find a picture for you of what they look like. Oh, yeah. We'll post this in the group as well. 
It's kind of like. Oh my god! Now what's that? That looks like a sort of like a computer chip kind of situation, but they've used a really like almost culturally appropriative like Aztec design. That's. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so like it it's wasn't... made to look like you've put a computer chip on your body that is like nanoteching the fibromyalgia out of you. Oh yeah, my nanotech bio antenna that interacts with electric signals. I love Electrical antenna as in well. Body. Yeah. So it raised $2 million on Indiegogo. In this description, it kind of sounds like a TENS machine in a way. Oh, sure. Um, which actually do work to some extent. They do stick on you. And I will say that this needs something like this needs a power source to work. Well, it's an electrical color, uh, current. TENS are, yeah. And they're TENS are, yeah, yeah. But this yeah, thing yeah. doesn't have anything that it's plugged no, into or anything. No, it should so, have. Anyway, we'll get into this. Yeah. I'm just going to read you one more thing. Oh, dear. Um, now on another website, which is kind of like a scam watch one, mm. it says of the bio antenna assisting the body in clear communication to turn down the volume of your pain. Now, this says, this is just, again, a faux medical waffle. Pain relief typically works by blocking communication transmitters or receptor points to prevent pain signals being transmitted, which is the complete opposite of what Kylo is claiming. We don't <laughs> yet know I how to... I love these to... scam watch sites because they're always yeah. so brutal where it's just like, this fuckhead <laughs> says this. <laughs> Even if, big if, Kylo affected pain signals, it would also be likely to affect other signals. This is probably a good thing. If Kylo really worked, then holding the Kylo near your head <laughs> <laughs> could, be, could be dangerous as it could affect the billions of nerves and signals in the brain. <laughs> That's what I need. I just need something to break my brain even more my nervous system and my brain because I've literally put a fucked Band-Aid on myself. <laughs> oh, man. So how do you feel about Kylo? Are you going to buy one for $113 no. or whatever? Yeah, straight to jail for them, I reckon. Just jail wee, for Kylo. Wee, wee, wee. Yeah. <laughs> Where's our, where, I love that this is like we say this every episode. This but it's is a, the pain police. <laughs> an ACAB podcast but we say that someone needs to go to jail every episode I just don't understand how so many people are in jail for these minor offenses and like treated awfully and then there's people like this in the world who are doing this like jail these motherfuckers jail like, them oh, okay so that guy from Breitbart what's his name that horrible Trump advisor oh all of them um, Oh, I, yeah, I, he looks exactly the same. Mm. Um, yeah, they all do. Anyway, that, clones. that guy that got arrested on a, a Chinese billionaire's boat for taking money off a fundraiser to build the wall. Yes, I know the person, but the name's also escaping Steve me. Steve Bannon. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. So he gets arrested for that, right, which is yeah. cool. But these mm. guys don't get arrested for this. Yeah, I know. Unbelievable. Anyone giving money to someone to build the goddamn wall deserves to get mm. their money taken off them and yep. burnt in front of their face, maybe. Yeah. But these are people that are legitimately in pain and this That's is just some thing. snake oil bullshit. Yeah. That's why I, I think it's important that we do this uh, quack watch situation because, like, we've, like, when you have chronic pain, it is something that is, you know, which the word chronic implies, it is permanent. And so eventually, 
people who are in pain 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we're going to get desperate. We're going to want to try everything to make something even just slightly better. So we Mm -hmm. do get sucked into these types of things. So these people that are doing it are actual like criminals because they're Mm. preying on people that desperately just want help they Mm. desperately want the medical system to stand up and help them and they won't so typical snake oil bullshit and the more health systems get gutted yeah the worse uh, it's gonna get the worse our news sources are the more people are gonna believe in this kind of snake oil garbage absolutely and it's i mean i'm like oh snake oil that sounds fancy (laughs) (laughs) num num um yeah it's it's i think it's like half and half i think it's half people that have been sucked in and actually believe it and i think the other half Mm. of people that buy are just desperate people hoping there'll be something in the world that will work for them um and it's i mean it's preying on both but it just in different Mm. ways and so Mm. 100% of their marketing and stuff is gross, disgusting behavior, preying on people that it's also people that don't usually have a lot of money. People with disability and chronic illness generally don't have a huge amount of money because we can't, so many of us struggle to work full time and all of that kind of stuff. So it's like you're preying on people who are not only sick, but also like financially not solid usually. Screw yeah, you clock guys. that disability payment in yeah. Australia. It's garbage. Yeah. The pain police are coming. Yeah, we are the pain police. We're the queens of pain and the pain police. The pain so. police. <laughs> <laughs> We are here with our first guest. This is Daphne Camp, who is a perfumer specializing in bespoke natural scents, a spooky witch, a musician, and a chronically fully sick person. Hi, Daphne. Hello. Thanks for having me. I love that spooky witch is put before chronically fully sick person. <laughs> oh, there's, there's a hierarchy of uh, identifiers. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> So I guess my first question is, how long have you been making perfume and sort of why did you start doing that? Uh, I would say it started in five years ago and it kind of was an offshoot of my like occult witchy interests, but it was not something that I ever aimed to be something that I would sell and, and make bespoke for other people. It was just me experimenting with different old school 19th century methods of perfumery And then it started with me just making little gifts for friends and stuff. And because I'm just deeply obsessive when I have interests, like I just (laughs) like take things to them like furthest extreme, uh, it just snowballed into a small business. So love that. That's amazing. Um, So you're a musician as well, and you're currently active in two different acts, Nozu and Sad. Can you describe both of them for me uh, separately? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Nozu, I've been in for 10 years and the band's existed for 13 years and we are currently a 10-piece band. Um, We call our genre Heat Beat and it's very um, just multi-genre experimental dance music. And in that band, I do vocals with a little bit of percussion. And then the other band is called Sad and we've existed for two years and so it's me and Simona Castricum, so Simona and Daphne. 
love that. that. <laughs> yep. Um, we, and so we're kind of like a, a minimal wave goth duo. Mm, yeah. So amazing. quite like two quite diametrically opposite bands in terms of sound, vibe. Yeah, totally. Uh, number of people, everything. And sad is uh, quite literal, I'm taking it. Yeah, it's quite, it, it is quite um, dark. <laughs> dark, yeah. <laughs> you know it. that band, um, I was thinking like three words to describe Nozu and I actually thought, you know how there's that band Tropical Fuckstorm? That's an amazing name. I don't know them, but that's an amazing name. Yeah, I, I thought that those words probably described Nozu. <laughs> Just those three separate words. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd agree. Yeah, Tropical Foxstorm is like uh, uh, ex, some ex-members of Drones are in it. They're a great band. But, yeah, so in, maybe uh, I should scribble out or laser off my heat beat tab and just write Tropical Fuckstorm on the box. <laughs> just cross it out. As a tramp stamp. As a tramp stamp. Yeah. Yeah, it would work as a tramp stamp as well because it would be like, Hey, this is what's about to happen just to let you know. <laughs> it's a tropical fuckstorm. <laughs> just letting people uh, know, like managing expectations, you know. I like to be clear and yeah. honest <laughs> and direct with people. Yeah, just transparency is important. Talking to a When I was like 17, I had uh, what was tentatively diagnosed as reactive arthritis. And then after like a couple of years, it just mysteriously vanished. And then How when I was, bizarre. yeah, so weird. I still don't know what, what the hell went yeah. on there. but it, That's so like, rare was, to hear with chronic illness as well. You're just like, oh, I just woke up one day and it was gone. Like <laughs> We never hear that. Well, even with one of my other chronic pain things later on, it that kind of, it hasn't, it's gone away like 85 90% and I still don't exactly know wow. what, what, what what fixed it. Chronic um, illness is wild. And then after that it was uh like when I was around 22 I had um, an operation to remove an ovarian cyst and then after the surgery I developed pelvic inflammatory disease so like mm-hmm. an infected uterus, two types of candida, bacterial vaginosis, VV, yum yum, yep. and a UTI. <laughs> yum, yum. Yeah, fish mut. Um <laughs> And then, well, what happened was after I got, I took care of that. It, what happened was I just had this like constant, like monthly chronic UTIs and candida, and then just 10 years of an endless um, monthly stream of antibiotics that like cooked my immune system and my guts. And then, uh, then I rode the IBS train. I was also diagnosed with endometriosis around the same time, but I was too busy dealing with mainly oh I forgot to say yeah there's always there's always other stuff yeah so after all those all after like you know the years of UTIs and stuff mm. I developed a condition called um, vulvodynia or vulvodynia which is chronic vulval pain mm-hmm. so my mut hurt like I had a UTI 24 oh, seven um gosh. and it was like I you know could barely work yeah really it was a real struggle to be in the bands and stuff and then and since so I was diagnosed with endo as well but I was too busy dealing with that to do anything about it and that's and such then, a con- like a regular situation that I hear of that everyone's like oh I've got all of these things but I haven't even touched that one because yeah. who's got the time you know yeah 
And then the annoying thing is you wish you could because they're all interconnected. Absolutely. And um, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, like I said, mysteriously, I, after pursuing many treatments that were, that didn't really help much, the vulvodynia after a bunch of years, maybe like five years, I can't remember, like mm-hmm. um, just kind of subsided to like a manageable level. And then now my main issues are endo and PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is like PMS on steroids. It screws me up for half of every month. And yeah, the annoying thing about us being in stage four lockdown in Melbourne is elective surgery is on hold. So I'm on the wait list, like a ma- on a massive wait list for endo lap surgery and stuff oh, like that. Oh, wow. So that's, yeah, a, my... that's classified as elective? Yeah, like wow. lap surgery is, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I never would have thought that that would be an elective surgery. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird that it is. Maybe because it's technically a relatively minor procedure. I mean, you still have to go into general and it's keyhole surgery, but maybe Mm. they're like, oh, it's elective because it's not like heart surgery or something. Yeah. And here you are losing half a month out of every month and you're like, yeah, sure, this is elective. Like, I'm just doing this for fun. Yeah. It's a choice. It's a (laughs) choice to be chronically ill. Yeah, for sure. Um, So how do you manage those symptoms of the illnesses that you have at the moment? So I guess currently I manage IBS with um, dietary changes and like m- like massive hardcore, like expensive probiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also did this thing called a fecal microbial transplant. Woo! Yeah. So we're really, yeah. we're really interested to hear about this because it is, it's still uh, fecal transplants is something that I've heard a little bit about with a few people having them, but I think they're quite not underused. I think I think they're still learning a lot about it. So yeah, we're really interested to to chat about that. Yeah, because it's it's technically a relatively simple procedure. I mean, I guess the the main thing is like uh, there are risks involved in doing it, and and there are options to do it at like clinics that you know cost like maybe a couple of grand or more to to yeah. do it. I did mine at home because I have a medical professional in my family who knows a lot and about this stuff and has done a lot of research. And so their poo went up my bum. Um, and, uh, yeah, fecal microbial transplant is inserting someone else's poop diluted in saline up your poo shoot and, um, and it repopulates your colon and your gut with good bacteria. And it's really important gotcha. that that person is um, in good physical health. And there are studies that show... You know, because there is such a relationship between, you know, the, the gut and the the brain and the heart and mental yeah. illness and stuff, that there are studies that show that if your donor has, you know, certain mental issues and stuff, it can actually be passed on to you. That's still that's still being researched. Mm. Um, oh, that's so interesting. Like when you get when you get a heart transplant and you're a vegetarian, but then you want chicken nuggets. I've heard of that happening. Really? Like that? Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, totally. I've heard of. I've heard of I that. always want chicken nuggets. Or it's like that movie Face Off where they yes. switch faces and then all sorts of hilarity in on ensues. Ah uh, like, yes, yeah, it's the shit version of Face Off, off. <laughs> starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> god, he's got such a diverse range, that man. So there was actually um. Uh, like a kind of triple J band called Boy and Bear who um, they had to go on a four-year hiatus because the lead guy in their band has really bad ulcerative colitis and this was like covered by the ABC and stuff. So he fixed his ulcerative colitis through 
fecal microbial transplant, which he just found through like a letterbox drop and found a healthy donor. And so the way the band was able to get back on the road again was to bring the donor because he needs like repeated treatment on the road. So they have a poo roadie, um, which yes, is a lot of responsibility. Yeah, that's yeah, a huge a amount of responsibility. Yeah, because you can't just like party your way through the tour and and like they'd need to eat well and like um, yeah. not drink too much and look after their body. Yeah, you can't to be get a, a donor. Yeah, you can't get on the cocaine or anything backstage. Yeah, you, like, you can't <laughs> you can't donate after grog bog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't donate your grog bog, please. It is not the one that we want. <laughs> yeah. So so the transplant was um I was quite a bit daunted at the beginning because like yeah oh, let's get into gory details like I had to please, insert yeah. like a, a pencil width tube thirty centimeters up there. Thirty centimeters is so big. Like trying to imagine yeah. like a ruler that is just that's it's too big, Daphne. That's in my opinion. That's too big. <laughs> yeah, it's like the width was not an issue, but the length was uh, was something. Yeah. Um, Girth isn't the issue here. It's the length that's the problem. <laughs> and I'm not a I'm like five foot one as well so it's like that's like gonna... half of you oh God, um, how, how big's your poo shoot mate jeez um <sighs> I can stick a tape measure up there when I get home and let you know um, please yeah <laughs> we, we need some facts <laughs> it was actually totally fine it was so fuss free like my my totally. family member like took care of everything like um two uh, big plastic syringes filled with poop diluted in saline and then a tube and then like they blunted at the end of the tube for like easy insertion handed oh. me a cup of lo- a cup of ky not a tube of ky but a cup of ky <laughs> um and like and then and like, you said this is a family like, member as well so a family member yeah. just handing you a cup of just lube that's yeah not something that i expected that you ever sort of saw in your life happening yeah it's interesting because like my family and i you know asian background east asian background we don't really yeah. like we get along but we don't really talk feelings uh, and and we're not really the kind to say like i love you even though we all love each other because sure. um in our culture feelings are expressed through actions not words but gotcha. then like because of like having kind of like medical professionals in my family um we can just talk about poo and vaginas and like <laughs> hand each other a cup of ky at, like that's chill that's but, great like, talking about feelings is like saying i love less... you too much <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a line we do not cross. But here's a cup of shit. <laughs> I love it. That's so yeah. great. But yeah, they made it so, they made it so easy for me. But um, although like my hands were really luby, and I what had I had to do was pull the tube out of the emptied first syringe and insert it uh, into the second one to do the second transplant and my hands are all sticky and luby. Um, and I was like, help! Oh, wow. And then they had to come into the room with me, like oh, naked from the waist God. down, and help me. <laughs> Hope everyone's enjoying the visual image. Um, yeah. I kind of just lay afterwards on my back with like with my knees drawn up, kind of like when people are trying to try for a baby or something um, <laughs> <laughs> for like 30 minutes. And then they drove me home. And then, um, yeah, the wacky thing was nothing came out. Like I, you know, went to the bathroom in the morning and it, it just, my body had just absorbed it. Like, wow. Um, but that did definitely, definitely helped for me with my IBS. And yeah, it's helped a lot of people. But yeah, it is it's still in such early days of research yeah. around it. And there are certain, there are risks in doing it at home. Um, of course, yeah, yeah. And people have to make sure, you know, that the donor has no parasites or like, or particularly now, like no, no corona or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, so when I like, because you said the uh, the boy and bear 
guy has to get them regularly. How mm. long does it last, the effectiveness, or is it different for each person? I think it's different for each person. I'm considering doing it again just because I've, I have had to have um, a few rounds of antibiotics since then. So sure. like I, I feel like I need a little uh, little top up. A little, um, a little boost. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, for me it hasn't been a thing that I needed to have um, regularly. Yeah, and then my other health issues, so like endo, mm, PMDD, yeah, yeah. unfortunately the conventional treatments, like things like the pill and mm-hmm. and stuff like that, uh, and like um, low, low dose antidepressants for PMDD are not a goal for me. Like I've just sure. reacted so, so, so badly to each one. Um, I've kind of taken the Chinese medicine route. Yeah. And that, that, that's helping a little bit, but yeah, that, this, that, those ones are a work in progress. The endo and yeah. P- PMDD are the things that disable me the most at the moment. And, um, and all the other stuff that I've had is either managed very well or like just pretty chill. Yeah. yeah. PMDD it, sounds so, uh, so extreme in its uh symptoms like uh someone that i know with pmdd sort of she when she can kind of feel it coming it's just completely debilitating and she it's out of control like out of her control you know like it sounds so full-on it's horrible it's like being two different people and luckily i'm not a person who like acts out or is or gets like angry and stuff Mm. like that but but i get yeah, really, really depressed when when I have PMDD, PMDD, which is currently two weeks of each month. Um, so much. Yeah, so much like pain and so much like dysphoria. The the wacky thing is, as soon as your period arrives, you're just back to normal within. Like for me personally, for, I'm back to normal within 15 minutes to half an hour. Wow, that's yeah. absolutely and insane. It's like it's like all those bad feelings and dysphoria just drains from my body yeah, like it's in the and, blood <laughs> and it's yeah just exactly coming out <laughs> urging like yeah. i think i think women who or, or people who i should say are who get who have pmdd um are really really um sensitive to even the slightest hormonal change so just Absolutely. like a little little increase in estrogen and then it's like hell on earth yeah and then when that when that comes back down a little bit when your period arrives it's like ah, oh, i'm comfortable again wow so, I'd be interested yeah. to see what it's like for people with PMDD who, what happens when they go through menopause. We have so many massive hormonal changes in our lives that something like PMDD would be interesting to see how it navigates those kind of, those changes. Yeah. Chemically inducing menopause is a treatment for it. And, oh, really? Um, and I'm even considering, um, like I'm uh, considering a hysterectomy for it, but wow. then I would be, I would be in menopause and then I would need to be on HRT. Yeah. Um, and that would be kind of like last resort treatment. Um, mm. and, but also something that I'm hundred percent open to. I'm like, get, let's get rid of this thing. Yeah, um, so it. yeah, it, it would take care of the PMDD, but then it would present, um, the issues of menopause. Absolutely. And I know that, uh, for a lot of women, um, like a lot of people who uh, want hysterectomies for these kinds of issues quite young, there's a lot of doctors who they give a lot of pushback about doing it to, for young people. So I know, Absolutely. A, yeah, I know a few uh, people with endometriosis who, you know, that was their last resort and they went, that's it, I'm going to do it. And the doctor went, no, you're too young. You might want kids you don't know yet. And they're like, yeah. I don't, I don't want kids. And please just, <laughs> this is my, this is what I have to do. So Especially like, 
a lot of people have reported that having uh, being pregnant and giving birth helps with the endometriosis, but that shouldn't be a reason to have a child. Absolutely uh, not. Yeah, to, yeah, especially when it's not guaranteed. So we've yeah. had a listener from Twitter debunk this myth as well. Mm-hmm. I believe Absolutely. they said I've had three children and it did fuck all. Yeah. Well, I think in a previous episode, maybe you need more, said, like six. <laughs> just keep going, pumping them out. Do it. More taxpayers. Yeah. <laughs> Save the economy. Yeah. No. The one of our previous episodes, we sort of spoke about some of the most ridiculous things that we've been suggested, even with fibromyalgia, as like mm. a cure. And having a kid was one of those. How is how is that going to help cure my fucking balked uh, nervous system? You know. <laughs> that is. That is. That's whack. Is there anything that you've ever been suggested for like a some bizarre, crazy cure that you've ever, someone's just gone, oh, yeah, have you tried X, Y, Z? Not so much, but unsolicited advice that assumes a lot of ignorance on my part. Mm-hmm. So like when I had, you know, vulvodynia, someone being like, are you sure you don't just have like some weird STI? Mm. You know, like as if that wouldn't be the like the first thing I would check for totally. if I had pain down there. Yeah, you um, go for a sexual health check straight away. Yeah. That would be the first thing you do. I think, I think that's the most bizarre thing that when you get this unsolicited advice, it's like the step one suggestion as well so often. And you're like, I'm in chronic pain. I deal with so much every single day. Do you really think that I've done nothing to try to solve it? Like, of course yeah, I've it, tried everything. <laughs> it kind of implies that you've just um, had, like done a bad job of looking after yourself. Yeah. As though you've brought it on yourself. Absolutely. Daphne, apart from your OnlyFans that you're releasing of you getting another <laughs> fecal transplant, <laughs> Do you have anything? (laughs) Do you have anything you'd like to promote? My God, that's actually a brilliant idea. (laughs) That is such a good idea. Except, what's her face ruined it for everyone? Bella Thorne. But you can bring it back. Uh, Well, I mean, like the more, it's all about offering a unique content. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. you know, there's there's a lot of like boobs and bum out there, and I'm not I'm not prepared to put that on the internet. But but I may put but the poop shoot um, right on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it'll <laughs> definitely tickle tickle the pickle of um of some Absolutely. at least some people out there. Yeah. Well, look, if you become rich promote off it with of that, the band. <laughs> yeah, we we demand rights. <laughs> You've got to give some of the rights to Joe. Oh yeah, yeah. This is how it originated. This is how this how we become rich people. We become the one (laughs) percent. We're poo pimps. Poo pimps. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah. I. I. I, It would be a nice way to supplement my um highly lucrative band income. (laughs) Good for you. Good for you. (laughs) So yeah. Speaking of that, because that was in the question, right, Joe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just checking. Yeah, Sad just released uh recently we re-released a single called Sign from Above. Um and then we've got an album out on uh, well a debut album out on September 25th. And then start of September um Nozu released two singles and there were two covers. Uh one was a cover of Talking to a Stranger by Hunters and Collectors and the other was um, Sensation by Brian Ferry. Um, we decided to re- to release two covers just because we're currently working on our third album and our albums take a zillion years to do because it's, 
they got a lot of tracks. Azulian years. (laughs) No, Zulian years. (laughs) Well done, Joe. You are a brain genius. Yes, I bet. Well, we're looking forward to all of that coming out and uh, we'll make sure to link it all down the bottom of our podcast so all of our listeners can uh, check check you out as well. Oh, thank you. And uh, they can think about all the things we've talked about while they listen to the music and be like, <laughs> oh, the mental association. Yeah. How nice. This song, poo, saline, it's all there. All there for you guys. Don't say we don't provide any entertainment. <laughs> Your favorite way.